Are you looking for hope? Then you're in the right place. If you're not, well, you're still in the right place because we all need hope. Welcome to the Shine and Delight podcast. We hope to navigate life's storms together as we encourage and build up one another to find true saving hope in the only one that can truly satisfy. We can't fix your problems, but we'll definitely point you towards someone who will. Come along. What's up, amazing people? It is another beautiful day here in the D-Town, Dallas, Texas. Uh, we are Shine and Delight, and I'm here with my two mighty men, Neville and Ro. You stole my line again. Well, I, dude, I said amazing people. Okay, I didn't yeah. say beautiful people. <laughs> it's a different adjective. Deal. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Yo. It's good to be here, man. It's great, it's great to be in Texas, as always. Yeah. Uh, the way it's beautiful. Every time we record, it's raining outside. It's yeah. kind of weird how that works, but you know, it's okay. It's, it's just mm-hmm. going to be crazy tonight. Oh, yeah. I it's, can't it's, wait. The rain's yeah. going to get bad. Thunderstorms, yeah. hurricanes. Actually, it's not a hurricane. It's a tornado. That's tornado, what they call yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Ro likes to start us out with these nice little icebreaker questions. Keep things nice and light and airy. Get the things going. What do you got for us today? Yeah, so what is your worst childhood memory? That's I'm kidding. That's a joke. We're not going to go oh, there. Well, that was, that was <laughs> like, that's so <laughs> deep. That's a joke. That was no. not light and airy. No, okay. So um, besides Jesus, if you could grab a beer with any character in the Bible, who would it be? Wait, Samson. We can have beer? Oh, yeah. That's allowed now? <laughs> that joke was planned. I just want the audience to know that joke was planned. No, no. That was my immediate response. That was my immediate response, actually, to when he said that. Because I want to say that as, as Christians, we are able to drink and partake in wine and alcohol responsibly, uh, responsibly yeah. without, I would say, losing our heads. I'll put it that yes. way, where I still have full cognitive abilities mm-hmm. and can control. Why? Because God created all things and we were able to enjoy in these things. But that was a total side note. So you said, <laughs> Neville, you said Samson's. Samson, yeah. Why do you want to grab a beer with Samson? Because, uh, I mean, he's... Uh, um, you want to uh, get his workout routine or what? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he was a lazy guy and he's yeah. having his supernatural strength. That's fair. Like That's I have, true. you know, there's like genetics and this like, God bless him. He's just like sitting around all the time and just yeah. kills people all the time. Part of me wants to think he's like the rock. Where he's just got a really good work ethic and he was strong because he worked hard, but maybe that's just the right. optimistic. You can, you can have that. You yeah, can have that. yeah, I'm a yeah. realist. I, I feel like he can drink too much. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ro? James. James. I, okay. I would, I would because the story of Jesus really goes from his birth, basically until the start of his ministry. You get that. We don't have a whole lot in between. There's like a 30 year gap. Mm-hmm. There is the story of Jesus as a teenager being in the temple and like talking. Like 12, yeah. But really, there's a 30-year gap. And so since James was the half-brother of Jesus and lived under the same roof, I would want to know stories about Jesus that were never written down. Wow. Mm. That's was, good. Was Jesus naughty? Was Jesus a terrible adolescent? <laughs> no, James was. James was, yeah. James was definitely. Jesus yeah. didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, if I'm going Old Testament on this one, I could do one for both Testaments and whatnot. Um, but I'm going to go with Daniel. I want to Daniel. see Dan- Daniel. Wow. He just is a really, he has faithfulness to God throughout his entire life. There's a lot of miracles that happen around him. And he prayed, I mean, he's prayed three times a day. It's the kind of guy I want to hang out with. Who's like, I feel like he's going to call me higher and make me better. I'm like, oh, you're so nice. Yeah. So I want to be like, I was like, Daniel, let's go grab a beer. He'd be like, I don't drink. Like, okay, Daniel, then you don't, you get your water. I'm going to drink a beer. Yeah. But just, I don't know. I like that for some reason. I wow. like him. Nice. Yeah. That's mm. a very nice question. So. On to you, uh, Andrew, do you mind recapitulating what we talked about in the last episode? Yeah, a little recap, because recapitulation is a very long word. A um, little recap for last time is we were, were talking about hope. I mean, again, talking about hope and emotions and how they go hand in hand with hope. And really the fact that they don't. Emotions are something we experience as humans up and down all the time. Um, God created, with, created us with emotions for a reason, which is really cool. 
Um, but hope is something I'm going to say that's a firm foundation and our emotions are more like a roller coaster, you know, always changing. And we say, hey, we have this hope in who God is and who his son is. And that's where we put our faith and our trust. And then we went a little bit further that saying the reason we have that and how we approach God and be willing to submit to him is because he is a loving father, just because of his goodness. And so we have to come in this, this attitude of trust and faithfulness that he's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of us. And the reason he's asked us to do certain things is because he knows what is best. And that's just the Christian mindset. And the third thing we kind of talked about was how a lot of the times, if you've been as part of a church, you've probably been hurt at some point by a person, by the church, by some individual around you, because every human is screwed up. That's how I'm going to phrase it. Mm -hmm. um, but when people have those questions, or if you have that question, we want to point you back to Jesus, who is the person whom you have a relationship with, because that's what the church is all about, is pointing you back to Christ, the one who is perfect, instead of ourselves. And so we apologize for anyone who's hurt you for those wrongs. And we want to tell you more about Jesus and we want you to get to know him. Those are kind of the three big questions we talked about last time. Well, very well done. So that brings me to my next question. How do we recognize the presence of hope in the storms of life? How do we recognize? Yeah. And I was like, he just said it with an accent. I was like, I don't recognize. <laughs> he yeah. said adolescent during the, did you, did you? Yeah, oh, I heard it. Yeah, I heard it. He's got a lot of accents going on over here. Thank yeah, you I didn't very much. much. Thank you very much. I Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay, so one one thing, because we all go through storms in our lives, there's a story about a storm in the New Testament that I love. And it, it's uh, Jesus, he's preaching a sermon on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, which is essentially just a big lake, beautiful part of Israel. And he says, I'm, he tells the disciples, I'm going to go up in the mountains to pray because it's a mountainous part of Israel. I'm going to go up in the hills to pray. You guys, you just get in the boat and you go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I'll catch up with you later. And in the middle of the night, they I guess they get in the boat towards sundown. In the middle of the night, massive storm hits, and it's just starting to whip this boat around. And you have to think that these guys grew up in the Middle East, except for the fishermen, they're probably not great swimmers. And so whenever they see giant waves and wind and all this stuff, it's probably a little terrifying for them. But then all of a sudden, off in the distance, they see Jesus walking towards them on water. And their first reaction is, it's a ghost. And that's kind of a crazy reaction. It's, it's a weird thing to say, but then kind of think about, we probably have that same reaction in our lives every time we go through something tough because there's Jesus there. He's in the presence of it with us, but we see Jesus more as this theoretical guy that, you know, he's off, he's distant, he's in heaven. He's not really concerned about my day-to-day -day problems. And so we kind of see Jesus as a ghost. And so we have a similar reaction to the way that they, they responded. But then he, you have Peter who's in the boat and he's, he's kind of freaking out. Peter's a little bit of a spaz. And he, he asked Jesus, he says, if it's you tell me to come out on the water. And I, me personally, I think that Peter thought he was hallucinating and he was really hoping that this wasn't actually Jesus because then why would I want to get out of the boat in the middle of a storm? And so Jesus says, okay, fine. It is me. Step out of the boat, step out of your comfort zone and walk towards me. And so he does. And so Peter, and to his credit, he gets out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus and he starts walking on water. And eventually he kind of gets distracted by the size of the waves and then he falls under and then Jesus, you know, pulls him out of the water and, and says, you have little faith. And wow. I think there are a lot of lessons we can take from that. Number one is that in the storm of our life, Jesus will often call us to step out of our comfort zone. And for, the, for Peter, it was his boat. But for me, what is my comfort zone? What are the things that I'm relying on rather than Christ to keep me afloat? And I think Jesus calls us out of that comfort zone. Number two, if we're willing to step out of the comfort zone and follow Jesus, he will do things 
that we never thought were possible because he's God and he works miracles. Not necessarily that he will give you a bunch of money, that he'll give you a nicer car, or even that all of your problems go away immediately. But God will do something in your life that you never thought was possible. He will equip you in ways that you didn't think were possible. And for Peter, that was Peter started to miraculously walk on water. And then the third thing is, it's my word of caution, is that when you're in a situation, you're in a storm in life, and you are doing well and you are following Jesus, don't get distracted. Because once you take your eyes off of Jesus and you forget how good of a God he is and wow. you start to get distracted by your adversity, that's when you get overwhelmed and that's when you feel like you're drowning. But it's okay if you do get distracted because Jesus is still there. Wow. And he's not going to abandon us in that storm. Great analogy. So that's oh. a great story in the Bible. Um, I'm just going to echo that in saying that singular focus. We get too easily distracted or pulled away on the things around us. But yet when we are focused solely on Christ and just obviously hit the hope we have in him and that foundation, we're like, all right, this is going to be good. This is going to be all right. I know where I'm going. But we easily start to veer towards the right or the left or looking at somebody else's lane. And, and that's what happened to Peter. So, yeah, great use of scripture there. This, this story that I really like in Luke chapter 8 from verse 22, uh, where, where Jesus comes to the storm and one day Jesus says, says to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake, right? So that's in chapter 22, and then chapter 20, uh, verse 22, and then in verse 23, uh, as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Verse 24, the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, master, we're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. They asked one another, who is this? He even commands the winds and the water and they obey him. I think uh, so, so some, some, some things stand out from this excerpt that Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side of the lake. And my interpretation of that is Jesus leading the disciples into the storm right and something else that stands out for me is that jesus didn't just ask the disciples to go into the lake or to the other side of the lake but jesus knowing that this disciples would encounter a storm was like hey let us go to the other side of the lake i'm not just sending you to the other side of the lake i'm coming mm -hmm. with you right and then something else is that the disciples did not really believe in what Jesus had already said. And so the moment they encountered the storm, they kind of forgot what Jesus had, Jesus had already spoken. And they were like, Master, Master, we are going to drown. And the response of Jesus in uh, Luke 8, 25 stands out most for me. Where is your faith? My interpretation of that is, didn't I already say we were going to the other side of the lake? And so I said it. And so that's where we are going. So regardless of the storms that we might encounter, our destination is to be found on the other side of the lake. Mm. Yeah. On the other side, and Christ is with us through it all. Absolutely. Matthew twenty-eight twenty. after yeah. Jesus gives the Great Commission, which we talked about last time, he says, and behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. That's a promise, wow. right? And when Jesus wow. makes a promise, he's going to do it. He's going to fulfill it. Yeah. The fact that he's always with us. Wow. Well, so now that we're talking about storms and all this stuff, bum, how, bum, bum. <laughs> how do you strike a balance between realism, positivism, and optimism? Are there moments when wisdom dictates that we should pay attention to what's around us? The storms, you know, fill the fields without trying to take shelter under the so-called hope that can be really reassuring and temporarily satisfactory. 
You know, I think we should define those first. Uh, yeah. Realism, optimism, and what's the third one? Positivism. Uh, positivism. Positivism. Well, I'd say an optimist. I'm going to start that. I'm an optimist mm-hmm. myself, I would yeah. say. Um, it's really when you see the brighter side of things mm-hmm. um, and when you say that things are going to get better. Yeah. Right? It's seeing the glass as half full, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you're like, dang, there's water there at all. This is great. I'll take the water. It's mm-hmm. being optimistic about what's in front of you. Yeah. First of all, an optimist looks at a glass half full and says the glass is half full. A pessimist says the glass is half empty. Mm-hmm. An engineer says, I see a cup that's twice as big as it needs to be. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the, that's the realist right there yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so you, you, we talk about storms and, and finding hope in storms. And I, I kind of relate to this a little bit because like I said on the last episode, I'm from South Louisiana. And one thing we deal with a lot in South Louisiana is hurricanes. 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 Yeah. Hurricanes. And to me, when there's a category five coming, would I rather someone tell me over and over, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay? Or would I rather someone say, you know, hey, we got this storm coming. It looks like it's going to be pretty rough, but it's okay because here's a plan. We have a plan in place. We're going to evacuate. We're going to, we're going to board up the windows. We're going to make sure that, you know, we're going to move our cars to where it's not underneath the tree. We have a plan and we have a plan of action. I think that's much more comforting to me than someone who says, hey, it's, just, it's going to be okay. Because no, it, it may not be okay. Things may go wrong. A, a category five hurricane, <clears throat> excuse me, a category five hurricane is coming towards us. The, everything is not going to be okay. It, I, I think that it's, it's a mistake when, when pastors get from the pulpit and say, hey, it is well. It, yeah. It's all going to be okay. I think that's a mistake because, yeah, in the end, it's all going to be okay because Christ is going to come back and he's going to get rid of evil and we're all going to spend eternity with him if we have faith in Jesus. In that sense, it's all going to be okay. But if my friend gets diagnosed with cancer and you say it's all going to be okay, you don't know that. It, it could be pretty aggressive cancer. Oh. He may not make it. And so I think the better message in storms like that is, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm not promising you that things are going to work out perfectly, but I can promise you that, that Jesus does love you and he has redeemed you. And if you put your faith in Jesus, you get to spend eternity with him. And that in this life, there will be suffering, but you get to spend eternity with God. And I think that that is a much more reassuring message to me then, hey, it's all going to work out fine. I promise you it's going to be okay. No, that I don't like when people tell me that because you don't know that it's always going to be okay. Things may get bad because we're promised that we will have suffering in life. That's the positive, positivism yes, outlook on I things. Like it's I, always going to be good. Like, yeah. dude, it's just going to be great tomorrow. Don't worry about it. It's going to get great, late, greater, it's gonna get great later today, right? We think those things, but it's like, uh, maybe not. Yeah. And then we looked at optimists, you know, looking for the, toward the future. It's probably going to get better. It's half mm-hmm. full. Then a realist. It uh, sucks. What? A real, it sucks. That's a pessimist. A pessimist is one that you want to add a pessimist in here. We had a fourth category. Got a lot of isms. Yeah, yeah. you got an ism here. Let's do it. A pessimist is the one that says, "Man, life sucks. This all sucks. I'm just gonna suck." Yes, yeah. you know, um, that's what a pessimist is. They see the negative side of every equation, mm-hmm. and they're operating in a negative mindset constantly. Um, optimist tries to operate in the positive mindset. Knows there's probably going to be a little flow back and forth. Um, and then the positive and positivism is always operating a positive mindset. They have no room for negative, but we're allowed to have those. And then a realist kind of sees things like they really are kind of like that engineer. We're like, yeah. Oh yeah, there's a glass right there and it's, it's way too big for what it's containing. Yeah. And based on the things they've seen happen around them, that are the tendencies around them and the earth and how things operate naturally in scientific order next Y and Z, that's how things are going to turn out. And I think that one of the cliches that gets thrown around a lot from the positivist, if you know, if we're throwing around the isms. From the positivist, one of the cliches that gets thrown around a lot is God will never give you more than you can handle. 
That is not true. That's not biblical. God does it all the but time. He, doesn't he say that in the Bible? He gives you more. He never gives you more than you can handle when you rely on God. Okay. When, you know, if you like, I, I cannot handle. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I can't handle on my own strength, but mm-hmm. because I have God, I can make it through that. Yeah. Um, but God constantly gives you more than you can handle on your own. He does that very often because otherwise, if he never gave us more than we can handle, we would never need to rely on God. Wow. Moses was 80 years old when God told him to go back into Egypt and to, to lead his people out of Egypt. He was 80 years old. Do you, do you really think that Moses was physically and mentally in a place where on his own strength he could go and be this great political leader and stand up to a, one of the greatest empires in the world wow. at that time? Wow. I don't think so. He had spent the previous 40 years of his life watching sheep. That, that's all he did. And he was not in a place where he could go, where he was such a great leader that he could go in on his own and do this on his own. It was because he went in with God behind him. Well, Amen. He did have a good, you know, um, leadership ability of leading dumb sheep. That's really what Israel was. He's taking him out of Egypt. He's got some du- They go left. They go right. Sheep just go everywhere. That's what Israel did. He's like, no, guys, we got to go this way. Come on. But in that, you're right. 80 but years isn't, old. isn't it strange that this Israelites were very pessimistic? Oh, yeah. Like, they, did you bring us out of there to kill us? Yeah, within they're like seven days away from seeing him do some miracle and they're seven days out. They're like, oh, he's abandoned us. Well, let's make a golden calf. Let's do something <laughs> oh, else. Wow. Uh, the, the verse, when you look at that, is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. that says, no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you, your ability or what you can bear. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may endure it. So he's going to provide the way out of it, right? Through yeah. him. That's a temptation or whatnot is what he was looking at or a test. I want to phrase that. And he's going to provide a way out. He's going to provide a way to get through it. It doesn't mean, yeah, we're going to get overwhelmed constantly by things around us, but he's going to provide a way out through him. Anyone that has kids will tell you these little munchkins running around. I I mean, obviously I don't have kids, but I got got a nieces and nephew, but you pastors, I've often heard sermons where they, they'll go through the cliches that we give each other and then they'll debunk those cliches with scripture. And one of the sermons I've heard was, it it was a series called God never said that. And one of the sermons was dedicated to this. God will never give you more than you can handle. And the number one example he gave was that if you have kids, you know that is not true because you know that God, through blessing you with those children, has given you more than you can handle on your own and that you need to rely on God's strength. On God and community. Yes. Well, take, take them to the in-laws house. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what you're saying is sometimes it's okay to feel the feels, to be depressed, to be anxious, to be angry, to be sad, to be happy, to be excited to experience all these feelings? I would say to experience things in an overwhelming way. Okay. Yes. That's okay. And then it's a matter of what we do with those. Okay. Because we can choose to, I can choose to try and sit in the, the happiness feels for forever and have that positive mindset, but that's not sustainable. And that's mm-hmm. not something we want. That's not realistic. Or I can choose to sit in that depressed mindset over everything for forever and I get to choose that, but that's not healthy either. Yeah. Well, I've had... You know, you guys, Raw shared his testimony. Andrew, I've had a bit of your testimony. And my testimony really has this thing where we had to come to a rock bottom moment before our good and loving father came to our rescue. And I've had a lot of discussions with other friends who are like, yeah, I had to come to this rock bottom moment before God rescued me. I knew all along that he could have rescued me if he wanted to. But why did he let me why did he allow me to get to this moment where a lot of relationships have been broken a lot of you know things have gone wrong before finally coming to rescue me 
we have a natural tendency just to start off with here in self-reliance and self-confidence when something um around us is i got this we can take care of this i can find some way to fix this a lot of the deal um and we keep trying that over and over and over again right and a lot of times we find something to fix it really quickly we find friends we find some sort of you know whatever maybe to, to heal that uh, for a time um and so we're like you know what i don't, I don't really need god right now i kind of got this and that's really mentality whether we choose to do so that directly or kind of indirectly you know consciously or unconsciously it's a lot of, it's a mentality a lot of people have in those um and so we get this this idea of like well where was god during these times x y and z and it's well you knew god was always there you had the choice to go to him at the very first instance but yet we choose not to because we think we can do it we think we have it um and so sometimes it it, it has to be us hitting the very very bottom where we say i can't do this I need someone else besides myself and besides my friends or whatever else is going on around me, besides the things I've been trying to pursue. I need someone who is bigger than this entire earth. I need God. And that's when we go pursuing. But yet we look back and we're like, come on, God, where were you doing all this? And he's like, I was literally standing here with you the entire time, but yet you never looked to your left. You never asked me, right? Because it was, and that's just it's the way of man is to rely on themselves and the people around them instead of God. Um, if we look at that, even being a Christian in my personality, I still struggle with that self-reliance. So I'll give you guys a quick example. Sin struggle, Christian, dealing with this, right? Eating disorder, bulimia, me, four years. Um, came about did wrestling in high school, kind of dealt with a bad eating habit, you know, where I'd eat, wouldn't eat for like five days during the week. Wrestling weigh-ins, pig out all weekend, you know, like a whole thing of brownies, whatever I get my hands on, you know, three dozen eggs, whatever it was, like it was just bad. And so after high school, graduated, did a, did a little um, triathlon and um, ended up eating like, two dozen cookies after triathlon because I was used to do this on Sundays. Wow. Uh-huh. And I ended up being like, you know what? I don't want to have to work out tomorrow. So I went and threw them all up in the bathroom, forced myself to. And so for the next four years, really struggled with bulimia. And I'm a guy that's like, this is not good because I want to appear successful to everybody else. And I can't, I can't tell anyone about this. Probably took me a year to tell my family about it. Wow. And then, but I still said, I got this. And then I'd have some accountability be like, all right, dude, hold me accountable and then talk to somebody else about it, right? And yet I never really, I'd be like, God, help me. God, help me. But yet I'd say it. But I really mean is like, just give me a little bit more so I can get through this, right? And it wasn't until I like hit rock bottom and like, this is how bad it was. This is one of my worst moments and I'm sharing this with everyone is like, I ate a whole thing of box of cereal and then I went in the backyard and threw up in a hole. Like, this is disgusting. Like for anyone thinking about this. And that was my rock bottom moment. And I was like, I can't do this by myself. And that's when I went to God and said, I need you, right? And so it took me, even as a Christian, but I still got this little self-confidence. I got a self-reliance. I can do this. I can do this. Is so, it pride? Uh, I would say there's, yeah, it's a pride. Yeah. pride I mean, that's what those are. Other words, pride okay. going in there and took me hitting rock bottom before I said, God, I can't do this. I really need you. And through a process of a couple of months, it was just, I was transformed. Didn't struggle with it anymore. Well, I, I, I want to talk about pride for a second. Um, as far as I know, pride is the only sin in the Bible where it says God opposes the proud. And it, it's, I think, I want to be careful how I say this, pride will keep you out of heaven, not because it's unforgivable, because God can forgive any sin that you commit and he can redeem anything. Pride will keep you out of heaven because it will keep you from asking God for that forgiveness and will prevent you from accepting that forgiveness. And I think that pride is a very, very dangerous, I don't think, I know, it's a very, very dangerous thing to play around with. It's something that I struggle with. I always have, and I'm by God's grace, hopefully he can, he can heal me from that. But pride is a very dangerous thing. It will keep you from seeking help from godly believers. 
or from, from godly uh, friends. It will seek you from asking God for forgiveness. It will seek you from asking God for help, or it will prevent you from asking God for help. Pride is a very dangerous thing, and, and I think we should all be aware of that. Number two, we were, t- we're talking about rock-bottom moments. This isn't from the Bible, obviously. This is a story about a boxer from the 20s that I love. His name was James Braddock, and he, he, was a, he was a heavyweight fighter. He breaks his right hand in a fight, and he can't, he can't fight anymore. And it was during the Depression. Or he, was, he was fighting in the 20s, then he breaks his hand, then the Depression hits. So not only can he not fight, but he can't really find a job. And he's, he's kind of going broke. He's got all these financial problems. And then eventually he finds a, do- a job working on the docks. And because his right hand is messed up, he's got to lift everything with his left hand. And he just, for a couple of years, he's, he's working with his left hand. He has to train himself to be a left. He has to train himself to work with his left hand and, and to work with his offhand. And he does that for a couple of years. And then eventually he gets back in the ring. And because he had to work with his left hand for so long, his left arm was a lot stronger. And he, he was able basically to be, I, I really wish I knew the boxing terminology, but he could fight with both hands as if they were, he had two right hands because he was so strong with his left hand. Ambidextrous. Ambidextrous, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's the boxing. Okay, if that's okay, the, yeah. But he could, boxing terms, just like dope. That guy was dope. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he fought with basically two right hands because he was so strong with his left. And he eventually became heavyweight champion. And he would credit his, they called him the Cinderella man. And he would credit his success with the fact. That's, that's a movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. This guy's from a movie. This is so cool. Keep going. I mean, it's a true story, but yeah, he, they, he was Cinderella man and he became a champion because he went through all that adversity because he broke his right hand and he was forced to lift everything with his left hand for a long period of time. That's how he became a champion. And his rock bottom moment is what brought him up to his greatest moment. And in the context of faith that happens to a lot of us all the time is that our rock bottom moments are what direct us to God. But the good news is that you don't have to wait for your rock bottom moment because hopefully, you know, we can find Christ as soon as possible. And so, yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got a rock bottom moment too. And that's where I came to find Christ. But if you're listening, you don't need to wait for your rock bottom moment. You can give your life to Christ right now. You don't have to wait another five minutes. And I want to encourage you because sometimes it can be tempting where in our pride, we think that we've got it all figured out and that we don't need God. But then in his grace, he allows us to go through all of these terrible things. So that way we realize that we need him. And that if it takes us running into a wall and saying, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, then so be it. God, take away everything that you need to take away from me to have more of you. And I think that a lot of times the Christians who have become Christians because we hit that rock bottom, we're very thankful for that rock bottom. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, man, I was thinking about that we try and put other things in there, like that six-figure salary, all these different things. And it's like, and you guys may be pursuing that right now, but we've paid the dummy tax. I've paid the dummy tax. I've been there. I've hit, done stupid things. And it's if, if you guys can learn from our mistakes and say, hey, I'm going to avoid that. You know what? The six-figure salary doesn't satisfy. The, you know, being with someone outside of marriage doesn't satisfy. The whatever it may be doesn't satisfy. I know we as individuals have done committed sins and not before we were with God and hit rock bottom. And we want you to avoid that. We're like, hey, guys, you don't have to hit rock bottom. Learn from us. We pay the dummy tax. We want you to not experience that pain. That's where we're at. Mm. Well, so it's pride of feeling. Like, how do you, how do you? Diagnose that. I got a feeling, ooh, ooh that tonight's gonna be a good night. Look at Yeah, he's like embarrassed. I'm like, I can't sing. He was great at singing. I'm not singing. Um, it's pride of feeling. Wow, that's a good question. I did not have a good answer to that. I think it influences our actions for sure, but I don't know if I'd call it a feeling. I think it goes with it goes both ways. I think it's a mindset and a feeling, mm-hmm. um, and a sin, right? In that sense, but we're also called to be have pride in like who we are as God's creation to be 
to be proud in that he is our father Christ, and yeah. our identity in those areas or whatnot. So pride is a mindset in saying that I'm going to own or I am going to take like joy in who I am and what's around me in these different areas. And then we take it to a sin mindset is when it becomes a little bit bigger, this like emotion or less, not that we can feel where I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm Mr. Awesome. I'm pretty awesome, right? And just, I think that's kind of the em- an emotion right there. And an emotion typically of pride is, is very sinful, the opposite of God in those areas. Like, and it, it's, it's kind of, it's both in those areas. I'd say it's emotion, it's also a mindset and something else. Oh, cool. It's a state of mind. Yeah. It's a state of the mind. Wow, that's very nice. And so if you experience the emotions enough or whatnot, at some point, you're just going to think to yourself, I am Mr. Awesome. Right. Oh. And it just, then it becomes a mindset rather than just this emotion um, that you experience up and down. Just as when you're like sad all the time, all of a sudden this carries over this emotional thing to depression, mm-hmm. where it's now a state of the mind where I'm always depressed. It's this depression, this mindset that's just carried over to it. And in the previous episode, you talked about the importance of having yourself surrounded by godly people. Uh-huh. And I think this is really important because if you have good friends, godly friends, you know, people who want to see you win, these are people who'd be like, hey, watch that. I think there's, you know, an element of proud that's trying to sprout in you and it's manifest, it's manifesting itself in this area. Watch out for that. Uh, man, there's this verse I need to pull up here in a second. But if you guys didn't know, I uh, absolutely love CrossFit. And uh, my favorite CrossFitter is going to be that good old Rich Froning. Uh-huh, shout out there. He's a CrossFit Mayhem, if you guys ever watched him. He has this verse um, tattooed on his side. It says Galatians 6.14. And it says, But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I didn't want to butcher it, so I pulled it up. Um, and that's, that's the anti-pride mindset. It's like he has a tattoo there, so literally people can call him out on it. Hey, why are you doing this? Are you being prideful about it or are you giving back to God? Overall, on that, and that's exactly why we have community around us to say, "Hey, what are you doing this for? Are you wow. Doing this for yourself, or are you going to do it for God and His glory and His holiness?" Yeah, right. Some people think that. Yeah, go cross. How do you know someone does cross it? They will tell you. Oh, amen. Yeah, they will tell you. It's like vegans, and yeah, they they, they will let you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, you hit the nail on the head, Andrew. I think pride is. I just can't reiterate how dangerous it is. It's just something you know, and and I guess we kind of water down pride because. In a way, it can be good. You know, yeah. like if, if I had a, my parent, my dad, my mom and dad would tell me, take pride in the things that you've been given. Mm-hmm. That I always, I joke that the theme word of my childhood was stewardship. It's just my dad told my sister and that all, sister and I that all the time is just have good stewardship. And basically what he meant by that is clean your room because we have worked really hard to give you your own room, take care of it, keep it in good shape, keep it clean, take pride in the things that you've been given. And I think that's healthy. When it becomes unhealthy, is when you say, oh, you know, I clean my room because I'm awesome. I'm a great son. I always get, I always do it right. I'm going to clean my room because I'm awesome. That's when pride gets dangerous. I'm literally playing a verse on my phone right now. I'm so sorry about that. No, it's all good. good. I don't know if I was supposed to talk through it and pretend like that. Yeah, pretend like nothing was happening, guys. Uh-huh. I clicked on my phone, looking up verses, and here we go. Yeah. Uh-huh. But no, I'm saying a dangerous amount of pride is when it turns to me, mm-hmm. where I'm doing this because I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I just think that, that that that's something that we need to be very careful of because pride is a dangerous, dangerous thing to mess around with. That's true. That's true. Wow. And that was all going on from into the storm, right? And the yeah. idea of keeping our eyes somewhere else because we get prideful. We just think, oh, Peter's like, I got yeah. this. I'm going to start looking elsewhere. Yeah. And it's like, even it says, I think in one, I think it says in Luke that he like, he saw the wind. He saw the, he always saw the effects of the wind. He didn't see the wind. That's how distracted he was. Mm-hmm. He's over there just like feeling the wind. He's like, I see it all. It's going to, it's caving underneath me. Right. And we get distracted by these things around us that aren't actually kind of going happening sometimes. We kind of make it up a lot of times 
we just took our eyes off Jesus and we got too prideful. And oh. pride, pride's not only a, a I'm awesome feeling. It's basically one good definition of pride is that it's when we become, we're constantly thinking about ourselves. Mm. So if you walk into a room and you're terrified and you have, you're super nervous and you're thinking, oh, everyone's looking at me and everyone's laughing at me. That's pride because you're thinking about yourself constantly. Mm. And mm. Peter made the mistake, Peter's mistake of, of getting nervous and looking at the wind and being terrified. That was pride because he mm. took his eyes off of Jesus and he's probably thinking, I'm going to sink. I am going to get caught up in the waves. I'm going to drown. Mm-hmm. And then in doing that and having that attitude, he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And then that's where pride killed him. Yeah. Not killed him literally, but yeah, I mean, him it's to, not about me. Yeah. That's yeah. the mentality. Yeah. I think C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, defines pride as, okay, this, this is what he says about pride. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next month. So it's always about, you know, that comparison. It is the comparison that makes you proud the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. And I think that's very, that's something that we can, you know, wrap our heads yeah. around and think over. That has been great. And that's, that was this for this episode. If you do want to recap, you recap, recap everything that we've talked uh, about. Well, I just had one more statement on Peter. I yeah, wonder if sure. he's, he's getting out of the, the boat and he's out there. He's like, man, look at me. Those 11 other guys, they're sitting in the boat. So you can tell everybody. Yeah, yeah. He's over there just kind of starting dancing. Like, look at me. I'm the one trusting Jesus. I'm Mr. Hotshot. And then all of a sudden he starts thinking that and his eyes are taking off Jesus. And then he's like, bam. Yeah. And he falls. Yeah. That's typically how life works too is I got this. Look at me. Those other other friends of mine, they ain't nothing. And then we fall. But a little little recap. I don't remember everything we said. Um, but we really started with, man, what did we start with? Kind of with rock bottom. Secondly, hope in the storms. Ho- hope in the storms and yeah. keeping our eyes on something that is. Realism, optimism, positivism, pessimism, and all the, uh, all those isms. We might have messed up on one of those, but yeah. if you have some <laughs> ideas, put it in our, you know, comment below. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we looked about the pride, keeping the pride out of our lives so we can keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that having, hitting rock bottom is not a bad thing overall because it points us back to Christ, but you don't have to hit rock bottom because you can make the choice at any time to rely upon God, rely upon Christ, or to choose him now before you hit that. So I, th- I think we also talked about the effect of the Federal Reserve's policy of quantitative easing on long-term interest rates. I don't know if, did we cover that in this episode? Yeah, we covered that. Yeah, that was, we yeah, did. Yeah, okay, we, we did cover that? Yeah. Okay. You were quiet when that happened. I was probably playing my, my verse in Galatians. <laughs> okay, cool. That's yeah, I just wanted to make sure. You know. <laughs> yeah, and Ro, you, you talked about, uh, Andrew, you talked about choosing Jesus, right? Ro, what does that look like, choosing Jesus? Saying, I'm not good enough, I will never be good enough, but by God's grace, I can follow him and I can be in his presence, even though I don't deserve to be in his presence. And I want to dedicate my life to serving him, and I want to I want to follow Jesus, and I want to be the best person that I can be, not because I'm a good guy, but because I want to, I want to be more like Jesus on a daily basis, and I want to give my life to Christ, and I'm going to get to heaven, not because I'm a good person, but because I serve a good God. So if all my life I've been doing things that, you know, the Bible tells me are bad, does it truly disqualify me from this Jesus guy. Nothing disqualifies you. Um, the thief on the cross, uh, Jesus is crucified with two other men. And um, one man says, you know, to the other guy, he says, hey, stop cursing Jesus. We deserve this. He does not. He's lived a perfect life. And he says to Jesus, remember when you, me when you come into your kingdom today. Mm-hmm. And at that point, he's saying, wow. you are Lord. You are God. I know you're going to heaven today. Remember me. And he's putting himself out there. And Jesus says, surely today you'll be with me in paradise. And all this guy did his entire life was a murderer on the, probably robbed people, did all this stuff. He was a terrorist. He's, That's why he yeah, was there. He's, there we go. He's a terrorist. Exactly. Oh. And that one last minute decision and God 
And Jesus says to him, yep, today with me, be with me in paradise. So nothing you have done in terms of the brokenness or sins or errors you've committed can keep you away from this love. So it's as simple as that. Yes. That's and incredible. Going back to pride, just so we can tie it all together. It takes a lot of humility for that thief to say, I deserve to be on this mm-hmm. cross, yet that guy doesn't. So I'm going to give my life to him. What's left of my life, even if it's for the next 20 minutes that he's still breathing, because crucifixion, it took a couple hours. And so for whatever was left of that guy's life, he was willing to say, I want to give it to that dude right there. And it takes a lot of humility. If he was a proud person, if he was suffering from pride, he would not have been able to do that. And so that's just one more reminder that pride is a very dangerous thing. And we should pray on a daily basis that God removes that from our hearts. Oh, mm. cool. Amen. That's awesome. And Andrew, you promised us last time that you're going to have a lady around. What happened? Mm, I think she bailed on us last minute. I'm so sorry about that. Yes, we we failed um, to communicate the correct times. Uh, yeah. Our friend Mallory will be, will be joining us next week um, to discuss some new things on hope and emotions in our next topic because we have like six more questions we're going to answer. Absolutely, yeah. Or very, very get, get to. And yeah, if you guys have yeah. questions or any thoughts you want us to talk about next, Absolutely, yeah. write it in the comments. DM us about it. We'd love to get some of those questions answered. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And that was... It. Stay classy, Dallas. Adios, muchachos. Hasta luego. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope you were encouraged and inspired to turn to the only one who can and will satisfy you. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them out. Feel free to reach us on any social media platform at Shine and Delight. You can also shoot us an email at Shine and Delight at Outlook.com. Until next time. Be kind, love all, share your shine.